This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture previously read to your hearing came from the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And this morning, I've titled this message, Penetrating Power. Penetrating Power. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you for this opportunity that you saw and found me credible to preach what thus saith the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, let this penetrating power of your word flow through me. Yeah. So that your people can hear you and not me. Let the words of my mouth yeah. and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. For Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your children listen. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. When the term surgery is mentioned, some individuals may react with apprehension, concern, or there's an immediate declaration that, nope, I'm not willing to go under the knife. Well. So what exactly does it mean to go under the knife. Mm -hmm. For those that are unfamiliar, let me help you out. The expression going under the knife refers to undergoing a surgical procedure which typically involves being cut in some manner. Mm. A surgeon employs a scalpel with a specific type of blade to create a precise incisions and penetrate through the layers of tissue thereby gaining access to specific areas for treatment or repairs. Mm. And let me just say it's important to note that not all surgical procedures involve the use of a scalpel. Mm -hmm. However, for the sake of today, let's dig deeper into the concept of going under the knife. The precision and depth of the scalpel's penetration are crucial for the success of the surgical procedure. And the skilled surgeons use this tool to navigate through the body with care and accuracy. You see, due to the sharp blade of this tool, many individuals express reluctancy to go under the knife. However, it's important to consider that this tool, despite its use of a sharp blade, is crucial, is a crucial component of the surgical process. Mm. And even then, 
It is for this reason many people use the expression, I'm not going under the knife. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, there are some reasons that the utilization of this tool that cuts deep is a concern for many. And let me give you a couple of reasons why. Many people say they're not going under the knife because there's a fear of pain. Mm -hmm. Many individuals fear the physical pain or discomfort associated with surgery and the recovery process. The idea of being cut or operated on can be distressing for some people. Yeah, yeah. Number two, there's concerns about anesthesia. Mm. The use of anesthesia can be a source of anxiety for individuals facing surgery. Fear of the potential complications or the side effects of the anesthesia can contribute to the apprehension about the procedure. Yeah, yeah. The scary part is people have concerns about waking up in the process of the surgery taking place, or rather, not waking up at all. Well, well. Then, number three, we have the risk of complications. Surgery, like many medical procedures, carries inherent risk. Mm. Concerns about potential complications such as infection, bleeding, or adverse reactions to medications. And then, number four, Apprehension is because of the recovery time. You see, surgery often involves a period of recovery during which patients experience limitations on their activities. Mm. A lengthy and challenging recovery can be a deterrent for some people because it interrupts their normal lives. Yeah. Yeah. And number five, it is the fear of the unknown. Mm. For many people, the fear of the unknown can be a significant factor in the concern about surgery uncertainty about the procedure, and the potential long-term effects can truly be daunting. Do you agree? Well, I can relate to some of these concerns very well, as I have undergone five knee surgeries. Mm. And three out of the five, a scalpel was used. Well. After the first surgery, I, I, I always felt anxious about the next one and would ask the doctor, whether they're gonna need to cut me next time or is this gonna be arthroscopic? Because I needed to know ahead of time because I too experienced some of these concerns. Mm -hmm. Especially because I knew the deeper the incision that would be made, the longer my recovery and the more pain I would have. But however, as I stand here before you, <laughs> in the end, these surgeries were necessary for my recovery. And all of these worries stem from the use of a scalpel, mm. which can penetrate through the layers of tissue in the body. And despite the concerns, undergoing a sur surgical procedure involving a surgeon's scalpel or going under the knife is often necessary. This is because the use of a surgeon's scalpel ultimately leads to healing restoration, and repairs in the body. Mm -hmm. Now, with your sanctified imagination, curiosity, and creativity, take a moment to contemplate the idea of eagerly desiring joyful excitement to go under the knife. Mm. By the look of your faces, some of you are laughing. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But just for a moment, Think of the, the, the joy you would have in wanting to go under the knife without any fear of pain, 
any sort of anesthesia concerns, any risk of complications, recovery time, or fear of the unknown. Similar to a surgeon's use of the scalpel is precise and penetrating, so too is the word of God. So now let us dig deeper in today's scripture and metaphorically explore the concept of a divine surgery where the scalpel, the word, is the penetrating power. In Hebrews chapter 4, before we get into the verse for today, allow me to give you some context on what's going on. The unknown author of the book discusses the concept of entering into a special kind of rest that God offers to believers, and this is the Sabbath rest. And the only way you could enter into this rest is through faith in Jesus Christ. The author mentions how the Israelites in the Old Testament missed out on this rest because of their disobedience and lack of faith. Mm -hmm. So the author is encouraging us when we read it to have faith and obedience so that we can experience this rest in God that he provides through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And now we get to the verse for today. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Mm. I don't know about you, but could it be just maybe, just maybe the author is letting us know about this special rest that's available to us through faith in Jesus Christ and it's also warning us not to miss this special rest yeah. like the Israelites did in the Old Testament and maybe, maybe, maybe just before we got to verse 12, that was the pre-prepping before the surgery. Think about it. it says, the, for the word of God is living and active. Mm -hmm. What is the word of God? Well, the word of God refers to God's speech, his words, the spoken word of God found in the Bible, the spoken and written word of God, which is the scriptures. It's not composed of dead words on a page. It's living and active. And you know how I know it's not just dead words? Because we, we serve a living God. Yeah. So if we serve a living God as the God is the living God, so is his word, which is alive. Yeah. His on, words yeah. is alive and improves its life by its power because it's active. Yeah. For the teachers here, Sister Andrea, living and active are action words, are they not? Yeah. Which means they're doing something. It causes things to happen. So if it's active and it's alive, that means it causes something to happen. So you're just not reading dead words in a book. God's word is how God communicates with each one of us. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think happens when we read God's living and active word through the penetrating power of the word? It changes us. Yeah. And it sends us into action for God. So you can't just pick up this book and read it and be like, okay, 
and go on your business. It doesn't happen. We serve a living God and his word is alive and it's to be alive in each one of you and me. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, the word of God says, all scriptures God breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It also says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's God's word. And I guess I'm passionate about it because I get frustrated with us as Christians that come to church Sunday after Sunday. You want to be hearers of the word, but you don't want to be doers of the word. You don't want to read the word of God and do what you're supposed to do. You want to just hear it and then come back to hear it again without having opened up the word. I liken it to this. Many of you that are in relationships, friendships, when you got married or when you got to know your friends, how did you get to know them better? You spent time with them. You yeah. sat with them. You went out with them. You know what they like. You know what they don't like. So how can you say you believe in Jesus Christ and God if you don't spend time in the word? Come on, preacher. Come on, That's Come on guys. Yeah. There is power, power in this word. Power. It is living. And it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, well. Now, let me tell you about a two-edged sword. Mm. It's literally, it means the, 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 his word, it's being said that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's, it's talking about it from the aspect of li- literally and figuratively. And before I go into that spiritual aspect, let me give you an example of what a double-edged sword is like in our earthly realm. You need a car, right? You go get the car. The car takes you from point A to point B everywhere you go. But you know why it's two-edged sword? Because it's favorable and it's unfavorable. Hmm. It cuts on both sides. So that means the favorable thing is the fact that you have a car that takes you from point, point A to point B. The unfavorable part is the fact that you got to spend money for gas and insurance. Come on, preacher. That is a double-edged sword and having a car. Mm-hmm. You get around, but it costs you money. Amen. And it literally, the double-edged sword is literally first to a sword that has two sharpened edges and it cut both ways. And you know how sharp it is? Now, mind you, we're talking about the word of God. It is so sharp that if I have a sword, and it is so sharp, a double-edged sword, and it cuts both ways, what can happen is as I injure my opponent, I injure myself. Mm. Mm. The word of God. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. It cuts both ways. Mm. You know what that means? One edge, it edifies. The other edge, it convicts us. It corrects us. It encourages us. 
It's a double-edged sword. It can cut through our hearts and reveal the truth to us. And also, it can be used to build us up and encourages us. The word of God, y'all, is so sharp that it exposes us and it covers us. And I was thinking about why, as I was doing my research for this, why is there so many words in the New Testament that say two-edged sword? In the book of Revelation, and hear me, chapter 1, verse 16, when the apostle John received his vision of Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, he said, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was the sun that shineth in his strength. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. I had an issue with that text, that that verse. Because a sword, (laughs) I can do that because I took fencing. So why is it, why would Jesus be seen with a sword coming out of his mouth and not a sword being used in his hand. What does that mean? So let me tell you what it means. When the sword, the double-edged sword, it's coming out of his mouth, it symbolizes the power and the force of what Jesus is saying. And if you read Revelation, he's really talking about the judgment. So, Jesus has a sword, a double-edged sword, coming out of his mouth. Y'all, how powerful is the word of God that Jesus can be seen in a vision where it's coming out? Doesn't Proverbs say, what does Proverbs say in Proverbs? Life and death? Life and death? It's in the tongue. It's in the of the tongue. Yeah. Ephesians 6, 17 calls it the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And as noted here, word, remember at the beginning I said the word of God? Word is the spoken word of God, which means in the Greek, rima, R-H-E-M-A, which describes something that is spoken clearly, vividly, in unmistakable terms. So the, the word rima, you know when people talk and they go, man, she got a quicken word in her spirit. That's what they're talking about. The word of God is like a sword that has two edges in, and it cuts both ways and doing terrible damage to an aggressor. Who is the aggressor in the spiritual for us? It is the enemy, the adversary. Now you understand, because the word of God is so powerful, can you just stop and understand now? When, when, when people say to you, demons flee at the name of Jesus. Demons flee at the, you know, what do we always say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Everything is in the word. This is how powerful the word of God is. In Bible study, pastor always says, Bible, let's do Bible memorization. And we sit there and go, you know, we read, we read, and he often says, 
when you're talking to somebody, at that moment, you don't know how the spirit is going to stir up in you what you have remembered, thy word that I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against God. So you don't know at any moment what word that God's going to give you. And because you have hidden that word, you have meditated on that word. You have rested yourself in that word. So it's why you are now able to regurgitate that word for any situation that you go through. And what happens is that you receive a word that came right out of the mouth of God, which dropped in your spirit. And the only reason it could drop in your spirit is because you've allowed yourself to meditate and study the word of God. It's a word that was so sharp that it cuts right through your conversations. You ever, you ever do this? You're asking, you're talking to somebody about um, the word, and all of a sudden, God gives them something to say, and you're like, boop, I got it. It even cuts through the questions that you have. It cuts through your intellect and your natural logic, which is lodged deep within your heart. Many people don't know this, but um, I have a friend that I was talking to the other day. Not that many people know this, but you don't know the conversation I had with my friend. And, um, and she said to me, you know, I woke up like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I found myself being so scared. I was like, okay. And she was like, Nefty, it is amazing what happened. I was like, what happened? She said, all I had to say was, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And you know what happened, she said? That feeling of being scared just went away. That is how powerful the word of God is. I was reading an article and read this as it pertains to the word of God being a two-edged sword. First, that the word came out of the mouth of God, the living and active word. Next, it came out of your mouth. So when it came out of your mouth, it became sharp, two-edged, or literally two-mouthed sword. One edge of the sword came into existence when the word initially proceeded out of God's mouth, and the second edge of the sword was added when the word of God proceeded out of your mouth. So you can't tell me that this does not have power. In order for us to know who God is and to be able to speak about who he is, we have to be rooted in his word. Oftentimes, when you're sitting at home and you don't feel well or you need someone to talk to, whatever the case is, and you can't seem to find anybody. Hmm. Well, I know a God that says in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And sometimes God is trying to get you to just open his word so he might encourage you so you don't need to call anybody. Yeah. God is all that you need, but you got to know that you need him through his word. Mm -hmm. And when you want to release the word of God out of your mouth, and when you do, it's those powerful words that are sent forth like a mighty blade Mm. and is drive back the forces of the enemy back to hell from whence he came. Amen? Amen. And I can tell you a, a, a powerful penetrating the penetrating power of God's word. It was an experience that I had about six years ago. I don't like to say I suffer, but um, I have challenges when it comes to anxiety. 
if any of you can believe that, but I do. I, I, I suffer from anxiety. And I remember about five years ago, it was, I was, it was a Sunday before I came to church. I was in the apartment by myself. I don't know what was going on, but I had my first panic attack. And if anybody's ever suffered from a panic attack, it literally feels like you're having a heart attack and you cannot breathe. And all I could do is run to the window and open the window and I'm trying to catch my breath. And in that moment, the word of God came to me. For do not be anxious about anything, mm. Mm. but in every situation, yeah. with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, make your requests known unto God. That is what I said, because I know the Lord has not given me a spirit of anxiousness. I have never had a panic attack again. Mm. Amen. That is how powerful the word of God is, y'all. Yeah. You've got to speak it over your own life. Amen. <laughs> Test God. Test him and see what he does. That was a reminder to me that I need to trust God and ask God for his guidance yeah. in moments of my anxiety. Yeah. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword. Yes, it is. Even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. And it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. Mm. We talked about the word of God is alive. It's dynamic. It's functional. Mm. It's the spoken word. It's the sword of the spirit that cuts both ways. Now we get to the fact that it penetrates as far as the division of soul and spirit. Mm. Of both joints and marrow. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it reads, May God himself... The God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus the Christ. God created all of us, mm. human beings, with three parts. The body, mm -hmm. the soul, and the spirit for those that are believers in Jesus Christ. The body serves as the external part of our body, possessing consciousness that we may connect, contact the material world through our five senses, through sight, through sound, through smell, through taste, and through touch. But within the body contains the soul. The soul is your psychic. We experience emotions like happiness, love, anger, compassion, sorrow, and we're able to resolve, choose, and make decisions. In other words, your soul is your personality. Hmm. And the soul is the vessel that contains the spirit. And the spirit, for those that are believers in Jesus Christ, is the deepest part of a person. It is where we connect with God in the spiritual realm. It's a place we spend time in prayer and in worship. And you know what's interesting? The adversary, your enemy, doesn't attack the spirit. Attacks your body and attacks your soul. Attacks your body through affliction. And you know how it attacks your, attacks your, uh, attacks your um, soul? 
I guess the Lord doesn't really love me anymore. Enemy. Yeah, you're right. God doesn't love you. He doesn't want what's best for you. He doesn't want this. He doesn't want that. You're always scared of everything. God can't use me. And that's how the enemy gets in your emotions, gets into your mind. And you know what happens? That continues to happen until, guess what? Until you start to feed your spirit. And the only way you feed your spirit is through the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Brothers and sisters that know Jesus Christ, why do we allow and continue to allow the enemy to tell us lies when we have the penetrating power of the living word of God? This is our weapon. It is your weapon. And if you don't use it, you start to believe everything the enemy says about you. You won't believe that the Lord said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in my image. Uh The Lord would would never believe that God said, you know, I've sent my son so that he might die for you on Calvary's cross so you might be alive and live. Brothers and sisters, Why is it that we don't read the word? Mm. I I can tell you probably a lot of people say, oh, you know, I don't don't understand (laughs) what it's saying in some of the books. Well, have you ever thought about leaning on the Holy Spirit to guide you? And I'm not trying to sound hard, but it's frustrating. It is frustrating, and we want to go out there and evangelize, and we want to tell others about how great God is. But if you don't know how great God is for yourself, how can you tell somebody else about him? When we engage the word of God, we're reading it, we're meditating, and we're speaking it. It allows us to connect with God. The living word has a powerful impact, like a sharp sword cutting through and penetrating Deep within us, as we immerse ourselves in the word, it penetrates from our spirit into our very being. And when the adversary encounters the word of God, guess what happens? It has to yield and leave, rendering its influence ineffective. So not only that God has given you this as a weapon, even if the enemy comes for you, Mm -hmm. all you got to do is speak the word of God and the enemy will be gone. That is the power, the penetrating power of God's word. Then that is why the word instructs us to constantly renew our minds and be transformed. And the last part of this scripture, we know that the word of God is living and active Mm -hmm. and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I keep repeating that in your hearing because I'm hoping that after Sometime this week, you will go back and read the word for yourself and see how the spirit speaks to you. Then any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as a division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I'm going to stop here. And as I was talking about, I was like, I wonder why people don't read the Bible. You know what my thought is? My thought is the fact that 
we don't want to know the truth about ourselves. And the word of God is a mirror. Remember I said it edifies, but it also corrects. It encourages, but it shows you who you are. And I don't understand. Why wouldn't you want to know the truth about you? For the Bible says, the truth shall set you free. Amen, Just like the surgeon's scalpel, which can lay open the human body with one incision, the word of the scripture has the power to reveal our thoughts and our struggles and the conditions of our hearts. Yeah. When our inner struggles and conditions of our hearts are brought to light through the word, we are humbled and prompted to seek forgiveness and grace from God, Amen. leading to a renewed, transformative an image and a person of who God intended. You will know the truth, mm. and the truth shall set you free. That is, the truth is God's word. Yeah. And as I close, brothers and sisters, Scripture, Scripture is the only reliable guide that we have as believers to properly function as a human in such a broken world. You've got to be in the word of God because trust and believe every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we all will have to stand before the Lord and give an account. And you can't say, well, I heard Reverend Ken say this and preach this word. And I heard Reverend Marriott say and preach this word. Oh, I heard Reverend. And Jesus was like, no. Mm. What do you know Come on. about the power, yeah. the penetrating power of my word for yourself? When I was younger, about nine years old, I learned as simple as this was, but I appreciate this so much. The B-I-B-L-E. Because that's the book for me. And that's the book for you. Because you know why? The Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. So brothers and sisters, because of God's penetrating power, the word is alive and active, sharp and discerning. Those who listen to it and obey it can enter God's Sabbath rest. Amen? Amen. Amen.